Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Man, your presence is so real. I mean, we can't, we can't generate that. You can't make it up. It doesn't happen through a program. It doesn't happen through another thing that we try. It just happens through you and your Holy Spirit because we are hungry. We are hungry for you. We don't want to just go through motions. We don't want to just have church, but we want to be the church. You haven't called us to, to come to church. You call us to be the church. And so we pray today that you would speak to us. Lord, um, help what I say today to be what you want. Guard my mind and my heart my mouth, that I would say exactly what you want and not say anything that you don't want. And Lord, please open your word to us today on this very special day in your name. Amen. Some children were in a catechism class, and they were learning the Apostles' Creed. And I think that probably a lot of churches have, uh, don't even know the Apostles' Creed. But each, ch- each child was assigned a sentence of the Apostles' Creed. The first one said, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. The second child picked up his sentence, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, and he finished that sentence. And then there was a silence. They kept waiting for the third sentence. Silence. It was an embarrassing silence. And then pretty soon one of the kids in the back row said, Teacher, the boy who believes in the Holy Spirit isn't here today. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday, and just in case you're wondering, we at the Father's house believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you believe in the Holy Spirit. We do. Uh, I'm going to talk, today I'm just going to talk a little bit about this from uh, Acts chapter 2, if you want to turn there, since it is Pentecost Sunday, uh, seven weeks and one day after Passover, or 50 days after the resurrection. Um. I'm going to talk more about this in the fall. In fact, we have a series I'm really excited about called Supernatural. Say Supernatural. And uh, it's going to be awesome, and we're going to take several weeks to just look into uh, the supernatural aspect of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, the power, the prayer language, the heavenly language. I'm so excited. If you'd like to know more uh, in between, you need to come to uh, our First Impressions class every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, and we talk a little bit more about the Holy Spirit in there. And I would encourage, if you want information, we have brochures out in the lobby, or if you want information. You can just uh, ask us, and we've got lots of stuff that we can give you. Um, There's a lot of people say, well, I'm not sure about the Holy Spirit, you know, and we've heard arguments, and you hear people on TV, you hear people on the radio, and they argue, well, it's not for today, the day it's a cessation of of the gifts of the Spirit, and people argue various things. But what I've learned a long time ago, and this is your first fill-in today if you want to fill it in, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with just an argument. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with just an argument. A lot of people have an argument, but I have an experience today in my life with the Holy Spirit, and I hope you do too. If you do, would you give the Lord a hand clap and say, Yay, God. 
in uh, Acts chapter 2, I'm not going to look at all of Peter's sermon today, but I want to look a little bit of it uh, because I, I believe God's getting ready to do something special in the life of some of us today. Uh, beginning in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, would you underline the phrase fully come? In fact, would you circle that? Would you highlight that in such a way that you can see it? When it had fully come. They were in one accord, underline that, they were in one accord, that means in total unity, and they were in one place, one place. And suddenly, now there's the word I want you to circle and pick out because I'm going to talk today about suddenlies. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all, say it with me, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And then Peter stands and he begins to give them the prophetic significance of this particular day. And he says in verse 16, but this, what you don't understand right now, is what the prophet Joel prophesied thousands of years earlier. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, in the last days, how many of you believe we're in the last days? He said, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Not just a few, but on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy because of the outpouring of the spirit. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I'm still seeing visions, so I must be young, all right? Every once in a while I have a dream. Verse 18 and upon my men servants and upon my maid servants, men and women, read it with me, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The day of Pentecost was one of three primary Jewish feasts. And when they had a Jewish feast, they were instructed to go to Jerusalem to appear before the Lord in the temple and bring gifts and offerings. The Lord in Exodus 23 and 14 uh, gave them specific directions. He said three times a year. How many times? Three times in a, a year you shall celebrate uh, and keep a feast. Say feast. Unto me. So there were three of those. There are other subcategories, but three major ones. And here they are. Passover. Say Passover. Pentecost. Say Pentecost. And Feast of the Tabernacles. Feast of the Tabernacles. Now listen. We don't follow the rituals of the feast, but we focus on the principle. What was the principle of that feast that we apply to our life today? We never abandon the principle of what those feasts represent. A lot of people get all tangled up about uh, what it means to be the, the, the roots of our heritage. In fact, the first Wednesday night of August, which is our first Wednesday, Sippy Seagal from uh, Israel will be with us, and she's going to give us an understanding of the roots of our heritage, of our faith. She, uh, she's going to give some of the latest archaeological digs that's happened uh, to sustain the truth of what the Scripture says. So I encourage you to invite somebody and to be here. But we don't try to reproduce those rituals. Some people say, well, I think we ought to do this ritual or we ought to do this ritual. No, it's not in the rituals, but it's the principle of what they represent. So real quickly, let me give you a quick history lesson of what these three 
feast, the principle of these three feasts. The Passover is a celebration of deliverance. Say deliverance. It's a celebration of deliverance. It reminded them of their deliverance from Egyptian slavery. Remember the blood of the lamb would be placed over the doorpost, and when the angel would come, he would pass over that home and give life. Well, for us today, the Passover reminds us of our redemption from sin, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who shed his life for us. And in fact, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper We usually do that on the first Wednesday, but in August, we're going to begin doing that back again on the first Sunday of every month. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. I guess we'll have to call it the Lord's Lunch. But anyway, it's, it's, it's celebrating the deliverance because I know some people can't come on Wednesday nights, so, uh, but don't miss this coming Wednesday night, a night of celebration. It's going to be unbelievable. So Jesus, when he took the elements, he said, this represents my body that will be broken for you. And he passed around the elements. So for us, Passover is symbolic or the principle is we have been delivered from sin. How many of you have been delivered from sin? Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful for that? That's the principle of Passover. Pentecost, Pentecost, which means 50, because it was 49, day, 49 uh, days plus one day, seven weeks plus one day. It was 50 days after Passover, 50 days for us after the resurrection. And it symbolizes harvest. A lot of people don't understand that. They think that Pentecost, the harvest of Pentecost, was all about power or the outpouring of the Spirit. But it was about harvest. Uh, they would come together in Jerusalem and they would have a gratitude for the harvest. In fact, here's what they would say. They would offer offerings unto God for the harvest that he was going to give them. Here's what they would say at at Pentecost. Lord, we thank you. Here is the beginning of the fruit of harvest. And we bring it to you as a wave offering, knowing that this harvest is just the beginning of the great harvest that you're going to give us. That was Pentecost. That was Pentecost. And Jesus ties that together with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to harvest. Remember he said in Acts 1 and 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my what? My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, he said the primary outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to be that you can be a witness and that from every nation you can bring a harvest into my kingdom. That was the primary. But secondary, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to receive the harvest that God has planned for our life. What harvest is it? today when I said the word harvest. What is it that God has for you? Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's a a promise that he's given you. Maybe something you saw in the scriptures and it hasn't happened yet. But I want to receive the harvest. Say harvest. I want to receive the harvest. And then the Feast of Tabernacles talks about future destiny. Future destiny. Seven months after the Passover, approximately in September, They would have the final feast after that, and it was a feast of tabernacles. And for seven days, they would sleep in tents and huts outside. 
And what they were doing is they were reminding themselves of the pilgrimage they had when they were on their way to Canaan. Even today, during this time, you can go to New York and you can see some practicing Jews with little huts and tents out on their patio on their outside deck because they're still celebrating this time. And it was a reminder of them that they are on, it was a reminder of them of the pilgrimage that they went through. But also, it's a reminder of them of the pilgrimage they are continuing to go to through until the Messiah will come back and set up his earthly reign and rule and reign over everyone. It's a time of future destiny. Now, for us, of course, it reminds us that Jesus said, I'm going away, but then he said, I'm going to come again. Revelation 2, 21, 9 talks about that, that he's going to come and tabernacle among us. Tabernacle means that he's going to dwell, and we will dwell with him in the new Jerusalem. Now, those three feasts are symbolic, and they're in chronological order of events that happens in our life. Now, a lot of people, when they get into Bible prophecy, they start taking these feasts and they try to turn them inside around, <clears throat> down around to fit into their preconceived notions. But there is a chronological order to this. Before you can receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you've got to become a believer. You've got to experience the Passover. And after you experience the Passover, after you experience the Passover that His blood is applied to your life, then you're ready to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. And we receive the Holy Spirit in our life so that we can be all that He wants us to be, and we can say, one day very soon He's coming back again, and I'm looking forward to that. Are you looking forward to His coming? Man, I'm looking forward to that. But right now we're on a pilgrimage. Right now we're on a pilgrimage. Some people say, well, when is he coming? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? Is it going to be something else? Here's my philosophy about that. When he comes, I go. I just want to be ready when he comes, all right? But today, since it's the day of Pentecost, I want to talk about how this applies to our life. On the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 souls that were added to the church. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They heard them. Uh, worship God. They didn't hear them preach. You hear some people say, well, it was on that day and everybody heard them preach in their own language. It doesn't say preach. It says they heard them magnifying and worshiping God in their own language. It was about the outpouring of the Spirit that helped them to worship. And when they heard them worship, then it stirred up an interest. What is this? What's going on? Peter stands up. He preaches a message, and he says, you know what? You need to repent and, and receive Jesus. And so on that day, 3,000. It was the beginning of a harvest that has never ended and will continue. Oh, hallelujah. But today, I want to say to you, it's just the beginning of a harvest. What's your harvest? Jesus gave them the promise, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, he gave them the fullness of an empowerment that would permanently indwell them and encourage them and to enable them to be all that God wanted them to be. I am so thankful of that. I could not exist. I could not do what I do without the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. So I want to look at just a few principles in this passage 
And first of all, here's the first fill-in. Here's the first fill-in if you're taking notes and it's on the back. Realize that your suddenly has an appointed time. Realize that your suddenly has an appointed time. Jesus gave them the promise. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit that he will be with you. I have to go away, but I'm coming to live in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. So they waited, and he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait there. And he said, I want you to expect a time of a suddenly. When I said there were three feasts, that word feast is the Hebrew word moedim, which literally means appointed times. Look at that. Say appointed times. There's an appointed time for your suddenly. God has a divine plan and a purpose for your life. And he wants to equip you with the ability to accomplish that. It says, when the day of Pentecost had what? Fully come. There had been 1,500 previous days of Pentecost. But this one was different. It was an appointed time. They were, it had fully come. And it says, and suddenly there came a sound. I want to share with you today, and this should just zip you up really good. The Holy Spirit has an appointed time for you. Pentecost was just the beginning of a harvest. Your harvest has a beginning. I prophesy over some of you today, you're about to come into a new season. You've been looking, you've been praying, you've been waiting, you know that God has given you a promise, you know that God said he would do something, and you've been praying and believing, and, and you said, I, 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 I know it's going to happen, it's been longer than I thought, I'm here to prophesy to you today that your suddenly has your name on it, and it has an appointed time, a season, that that's going to happen, but you don't need to give up, amen, amen. God is getting ready to release a suddenly with your name and your address on it. And right now, we may be in a shifting of seasons. We look at this word often, and we get all confused about Romans 1 and 8. We talk about, well, he's going to send the dynamite power, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. Well, there is power in the Holy Spirit, but that word dunamis doesn't really mean dynamite. It means ability. That's a preliminary word. We say, well, that's from which we get our English word dynamite. Big deal. Dynamite wasn't even discovered at this particular time. Let me give you the uh, instructions of uh, uh, the understanding from Dr. Jack Hayford, who's the executive editor of those of you that have the Spirit-Filled Study Bible. He said the power, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit, essentially has to do with ability. Say ability. He said the word literally means ability. The fact that dunamis is the word that's translated power has caused people to say, well, it's like dynamite. And I've said that myself because I read that from somebody else. And, and I thought, you know, well, that sounds pretty good. Well, you know, Jack says the dynamite is like dynamite. And in fact, they forget that this is when the Greeks used the word dunamis. They were talking about ability. Dunamis wasn't even in their minds because there wasn't such a thing for dynamite. 
The issue was ability. Say ability. It's the ability to get things done. He said, I will sin and you will receive the ability when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to get things done. The issue was not to make noise or to explode on something or someone or to blow things out of proportion, but it's the ability. I will give you the ability, the ability to fulfill the purpose and the destiny that I have for you. So you may ask, the ability to do what, Terry? What does he, the Holy Spirit give me the ability to do? The ability to be who you are created to be. You say, I've just been trying, trying, trying to be. Well, just get full of the Holy Spirit and let Him give you the ability to fulfill the destiny that He has in your life. What ability? The ability to touch people with the love of Jesus. The ability to reach out with the healing life of Jesus. The ability to become by His grace who you can't become on your own. The ability to worship in such a way that people around you, when they see you worship as they did on the day of Pentecost, they'll say, what is that? Uh, When they stand, what is going on in their life? I don't understand that. That worship will give the ability to point somebody else to Jesus Christ who can redeem them and save their eternities. Amen, amen, amen. Realize that your suddenly has an appointed time. Second of all, make sure you're in the right place. Make sure you're in the right place. Luke 24, 49. I'm sending what my Father promised to you. So stay what? Stay here in the city until he arrives. Until you're equipped. Notice they're equipped. So I equip you with the ability I'm sure that the 120 in the upper room must have thought, if they were Christians of today, well, why do I have to go wait in the upper room? Why do I have to go in there? Why do I have to be in a particular place? Because you see, there suddenly had a time and it had a place. Your suddenly is not going to run you down somewhere if you're out of God's will. He didn't give them the why. He didn't give them the wherefores. He simply said, this is what I want you to do. Now, for 10 days, they're there. 10 days is a long time to wait with a frail thread of hope. Are we sure? Can you see about after seven days, after three days, probably after a day for some of us? Are you, are you sure we heard that right? Are you sure he really did appear to us? Are you really sure about that? Here's my question to you. Has God told you to do something without filling you in on the details? Has he put you somewhere And you don't understand where he's put you or where he wants you. He said, I've set the lonely in a place. 
The scripture says, I place you in the body as it pleases me. Have you found your place? If this is not the place that God has for you, then we need to help you find your place. We may not be the place for you. Do you understand that? I pray every week, every month with several pastors in this city, and they're great pastors. And our stylistics may not be for you. So I, I just would pray for you that you find your place. Because if you're out of place, you're suddenly is not going to run you down. I find people that come to church, oh, I'm excited about church. I'm excited about serving. God told me to serve in kids' ministry. He told me to serve in production team. He, he told me to serve in the thing. And then after a few weeks, they're no longer serving. So they're in and out, up and down, all around. But what if you miss your time of suddenly and you're not in the place that God has you, your suddenly is not going to run you down. Where has God put you? The enemy's going to do everything he can to get you out of your place so that you miss your suddenly. Now you've experienced the Passover, right? You've been set free from sin. But isn't it interesting how even this year, in January, February, March, April, May, it just looks like the enemy's done everything he can to get you out of place. He said to you, uh, it's no use serving God. It's no use doing those things. Maybe he tried to curse you with cancer. Maybe he tried to mess up your mind with what ifs. He didn't want you to get to your place of your appointed time. But I'm here to say to some of you today with all of my heart, you're about to have a season of suddenlies because it's about to be your time and you found your place and you haven't given up on your place. I prophesy to somebody today that people in your family that you've been praying for are about to suddenly be saved. Suddenly be saved. I prophesy to you today that doors are going to begin opening to you that have been closed and you've tried to get in and they haven't happened. I prophesy to you today that some of the people that have stood in your way, God, by His hand, will move them out of the way to keep you to, so that you will not be kept from your season of suddenlies. And I prophesy to you today that people that need to be planted in your life are going to be planted because your harvest has a place and your harvest has an appointed time in the name of Jesus. Oh, we can shout about that. We love that. But let me tell you, this one is tough. It has a process. Nobody can stop your harvest except you. You can disqualify yourself through bitterness, unforgiveness, getting out of place, and you're not where God wants you. You've had a lot of setbacks, and so you're not there when you're suddenly shows up. I, I mean, I, I, I just wonder... If there were others that were part of the original in the upper room, but they just got tired of waiting, and they didn't feel like they really needed to do that, and so they just went down to the near Starbucks to get a coffee. But they missed their time. Now listen, we don't pray again. We don't pray, oh God, give us another Pentecost. That's not a theological sound prayer. The Holy Spirit has already been poured out. So when we pray, oh, send the Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, that's a theological wrong prayer. I don't mind us. I prayed that myself, oh, come. What we're simply saying is I just want to surrender more of me. When the Holy Spirit came, he didn't come in installments. He came in the fulfillment. It's not like, it's not like people say, well, I just, want, I just want more Jesus. When Jesus came into your life, he came in one time. 
All right? He came in in the fullness. Not, oh, I'm getting a little Jesus today and a little Jesus tomorrow. Then you're not getting Jesus. You're just getting feelings and emotions. You need to understand that when he comes into your life, he comes in the fullness. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes in the fullness. It's not on the installment plan. Well, I'll pray in tongues a little while, and then I'll get more and more. No, when he comes, he comes. But it's me surrendering my life to the fullness of the Holy Spirit in different ways. Amen. Oh, I'm looking forward to the series called Supernatural. Some of you have been through setbacks. But here's what you, get, you need to know. You need to fill this out. Your setbacks are setups for a season of suddenlies. Mm. Everything the devil has put you through this year, he tried to get you out of place. Well, just quit. Just give up. Don't pray and believe that anymore. Well, you're not going to be healed. Everybody else, but you're not, you're not going to get a job. Well, you've been through school. You're a graduate, and, you, and it's not So you might as well just quit praying. You're weird. You're an outcast. Work for everybody else, but it won't work for you. The devil does not want you to get to your appointed time. He doesn't want you to get to your series, your, your, your harvest of suddenlies, to get to your time of suddenlies. How many of you know to get to your suddenly that you've already experienced, and maybe you got some more, you had to go through a process. This changes everything, right? The resurrection, the Holy Spirit changes everything. Here's a couple of guys on their way. We studied them last week, right? The Emmaus guys, they're out of place. They're going to miss something that they need. And the Lord Jesus runs them down. I don't want you to miss your suddenlies. I, he didn't just say that, but he's simply saying, you're out of place. You're supposed to be in Jerusalem. You're supposed to be waiting. You're out of place. Peter was out of place. He went back to fishing. I'm here to say to some of you today, you've been out of place. You know where you need to be. You know what you need to be doing. And God's getting ready to touch you with a suddenly if you obey where he wants you to be. Say, well, I just don't know. I look around and, and I see other people act like they're worshiping God, and I look what they post on Facebook, and I know they're not really serving God the way that I am. I, I see them, you know, doing all these crazy things. Time out. What are you worrying about them for? The enemy will try to use a personality to get you out of place. Jesus talked about there will come a time right before the harvest when wheat, the true people of God, will grow, and there will be tares, weeds, right in... Look, look at your neighbor. Uh, are they a weed or a wheat? Don't judge them because you don't know. Because in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 through 30, they came to Jesus and said, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people out there. You know, the, har the harvest is we sowed good seed the wheat came up, but then the enemy sowed tares to right in the middle of the wheat. And we're looking. We see the field. I, I see the field. I see the Father's house. And I see that there's wheat. 
you know. But I also see their tares, their weeds, people that haven't really had a Passover. They've never invited Jesus into their heart. They're just going through the motions. Are you a believer? Yeah, I'm a believer. Well, let me look at your Facebook. Let me see at your social media. Let me see where you're serving. Let me hear your prayers. Let me look at your checkbook and see if you're a tither or you're a giver. Don't give me all these external things because, you see, you can stand in the middle of a worship and you can worship as loud as anybody else, but the Lord knows if you're a wheat or if you're a weed. So some of, those, uh, some of those take charge believers in this parable said, well, I think we ought to go out there right now. We just should pluck them up. We should just go through the membership. We should go through people who come to church. And if they don't act right, look right, dress right, then what we need to do is just say, you can't be here anymore. Jesus said, no, you missed the whole principle. Just give it time. Because my wheat will experience a season of suddenness. And they'll mature. And on the day of harvesting, when you look across the wheat field, the tares will be upright. But the wheat, the head, will cause them to bend over because of what they're carrying. They can't be upright. But a tear would say, don't tell me what I had to do. Don't tell me where to park. Don't tell me what God wants. You, who are you to tell me? And they stand upright in pride. I've got my life. Don't tell me I can't do that. I can't do that. But you see, here's what happens when a person has experienced Pentecost, when a person has experienced their suddenlies. They don't stand up pride, but their head bows over, and they'll say, Lord, I worship you. I know I'm nothing without you. I couldn't be who I am without you. And whatever you want, whether I'm on the mountain or whether I'm in the valley, I'm going to worship you with all of my heart to God be the glory and he says now go and all of those that are upright you just cut them down you twist them together you throw them in the fire because they're not part of me they, they've had their own agenda but the wheat I want you to gather them up because it, they are part of the harvest and they will be used of me amen thank God and God listen some of you thank God for the process. The enemy has lied to you this year. Doors have shut in your face. People have started rumors about you. Somebody broke your heart. Somebody abandoned you. Somebody tried to destroy you. But your season of suddenness is coming. They're on their way. But you've got to be careful because you can hinder your suddenly. Here's just a couple of ways. You can try to rush God's timing. You can say, God, it's now. It's now. Or you can try to put an ultimatum on God. God, if you don't do it now, then I know it's not you, and I'm not going to hold on. It's like a man said, if God doesn't bless my business in the next three years, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Enough is enough. The question is, did God ask you to start the business? If he didn't, then why are you disobeying him by keeping it open for another three years? But if he did say for you to do that, then why are you undermining the efforts of your business partner, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? He has a season, a time, and he has a suddenly that's going to come into your life. But you have to be there and go through the process. Lastly, here it is, expect your suddenly. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room. Notice they went into the upper room. Upper room. Oh, they went to an ascended place. They weren't down low looking from earthly view, but they were, had an ascended view. You see, you can be down here and you're nitpicky, 
fault-finding, always seeing things that are wrong, and you could miss it. But they were in the upper room. Their head was lifted up. They were ready to see what God was going to do. And they were in one accord and in one place. They, it wasn't, they realized, I can't make this happen on my own. I can't make this happen on my own. It's more than that. And so they were there together. And then the scripture says, and suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. See, things can be the way they are right now, and the next moment, suddenly. Thirteen times they walked around the walls of Jericho. Nothing happened. But on the fourteenth time, boom, suddenly. I mean, you came here today, and nothing's really happened, but I'm going to tell you there's a season getting ready to happen, and it's a sudden. Think about it like this. If the church started... Day of Pentecost is the beginning of the church. If it started suddenly, and then the Lord says, in the hour that you think not, I'm going to come back, it's a suddenly. He starts it, and he ends it with a suddenly. Then why shouldn't we expect a season of suddenlies in between that has your name on it and your time on it that God has for you? But you've got to expect that. It says that suddenly there was a sound. Let me speak a sound over some of you this morning. Let me speak a prophetic sound over some of you this morning. And your spirit, if it's right, you will grab it. You'll understand it's close to your season. I say to some of you today, you're about to enter a new season. Your harvest is just beginning. All that you fought through, all that you've stood for, all that you've been in position for, all that others have been shaken and removed from, but you've stayed planted, I say to you, God knows your address. He knows where you're planted. And I hear a sound. I hear a sound of a season of suddenlies coming in to us as a church and to you as an individual. Well, if you believe that, would you stand to your feet and give the Lord a hand clap and say, thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. Thank you, Lord. 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 Let's pray. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life, he died for you. His body was broken that you might have life. And the scripture said, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that he is Lord, and he died for me, he rose again, that I can be forgiven. If that's you today, right now, would you just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Lord, I want to believe in you today. Come into my life. I need to experience that Passover. Or maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I really believe today was a word for me that my season of suddenly is about to come. I want you right now, I want to pray for you. Father, I pray that we'll stand in position, we'll be where you want us to be. In your name, Jesus. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps will be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.